Hello, everyone, and welcome to Refuge Fellowship Yangon. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you've all had a great day and will continue to have one. Please join me as I read Ezekiel 37, 4 through 14. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to those bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I speak this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as a complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then the skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath into him. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the wind's son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We have become old dry bones, All hope is gone, our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am Lord. I will put my spirit into you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Again, welcome to Refuge Fellowship. It's just great to be back again this week. I just uh, I thank Aaron for reading that passage in Ezekiel. I just found it uh, so relative to what we're talking about here, as this Holy Spirit, I believe, is prophesied about there in them passages. Again, I say it every week, but I just want to remind you again, if you need prayer, if you have any prayer request whatsoever, please message us. We would love to pray for you. I pray for each of you each week, and I would love to know if there's any specific prayer request. I would just love to be praying for you. If you have any other needs at all, please just let us know. Let us know how we can come alongside you as a fellowship to just lift one each other, lift one another up. I'm just, again, I'm so privileged just to be here this week. I'm, uh, I'm just amazed. I'm really just praying for the country this week. I know we're seeing a lot of change, a lot of things going on this week. Again, please let us know how we can pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you just so much, Lord, just for this opportunity to study your word, for this opportunity to learn what you have done for us. Today we get to learn about your spirit indwelling within us, Lord. About us being born again. What it is for you to abide within us. Lord, as we study the Holy Spirit today, and we see as you breathe your spirit upon the disciples, as you breathe your spirit on those that have came to believe in you, Lord. Lord, I pray if there's any out there that have not experienced this, this rebirth, this filling of the spirit, Lord, I pray that you would speak to them today, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, they would seek this in their lives. They would seek and welcome your, you, Jesus, to reside in them, giving them salvation and power to overcome sin and eternal life. 
Lord, as we study these passages, Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to be within me. Just an outpouring, Lord, as we see in Acts, that you would use this time, that this message would go out as it did in Acts, and many people would come to know you. Many people would come to understand the power of the Holy Spirit and understand who they are in you, that the very the God that created the universe, that spoke everything known, everything known into existence is in us. Lord, I pray that people come to understand that and just know how much you love them, that you've given them this. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, just be with us today. Protect this message and protect your, your followers out there. In Jesus' name, amen. This week... You know, I always do a uh, review, right? We look at what we've been studying. Uh, this week's going to be pretty quick. I want to do just a real quick introduction or review. So I hope everyone remembers. Remember we talked about last week the two, I called them confused followers, but the two followers who were walking away from their faith. Remember, they were actually returning to their homes. Remember why they did that? I believe it was because they didn't understand who Jesus was. So because of this, they were walking away from their faith. They were walking away from fellowship of other believers. Their personal misconceptions of who Jesus was led them to waver in their faith. But then we remember the story, right? Jesus came alongside of them. He walked with them. And he taught them. He taught them through the word, reminding them and assuring them of who he was. Reminding them he was alive. This led them to turn back to their faith. And then at the end of the story, they actually, they ran back to tell others, to share the good news, to share that Jesus is alive. Now today, we're going to continue the story, but we're going to be in John chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 19. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up, John chapter 20, verse 19. We're going to start there today. We're going to read the first two verses to start. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. As we begin this, these passages, I want you to remember this is still the same day, right? It's still Sunday. It's now in the evening time. This is still the very same day that these two followers from Emmaus had come back to faith. This is the very same day that the two disciples and the woman and Mary had witnessed the empty tomb. This is, this is the very day that Jesus rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. Jesus is alive. We know through the last study of several weeks that Jesus, he's already appeared to two, two or three different times. Remember? First to Mary then to the two followers in Emmaus, and even to Peter. This was a very busy day. There's a lot going on on this day. So as we begin this story today, we begin this story with a group of followers that are, they're meeting, they're, they're, Jesus is meeting them in Jerusalem. Now as you read this, it says the disciples were meeting, right? Do you see that in verse 19? So if you just read this account in John, you probably assume it was the ten disciples, right? Because we read further that Thomas wasn't there. But I like to read all the Gospels. So if we can turn to Luke, I think we get a few more details that we get to see in Luke that really kind of give us a better context for what we're going to read today. So if you've got your Bibles, 
Just hold, put your marker there in John. We're going to be back there in John chapter 20. But just flip back here to Luke. Luke chapter 24. We're going to read Luke's account. 24, let's look at verses 35 through 42. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it is really me. Touch me and make sure I am not a ghost, because goats don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them, showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. I think we get a lot of context when we read Luke's account of this. Um, we're going to kind of be flipping back and forth between Luke a little bit and John, so you might want to mark both them spots as we continue. So we see there in that account that we learned that these two followers from Emmaus were there. And I'm sure Mary or the Marys, several of them were there. I'm sure some other women were present. Also, I'm sure there were other followers that just aren't mentioned that were present here. There's a lot of people present at this time. Now, there's some other details that John leaves out that I want to talk about. Look again at Luke's account. Luke tells us that we see that. Do you see? He says they didn't believe that it was Jesus. Do you see that? He says they said he, they thinking they were seeing a ghost, right? They were scared, right? They didn't believe this person standing in front of them was the resurrected Jesus. Instead, they thought they were seeing a ghost. I mean, it sounds kind of goofy, right? I mean, kind of funny, maybe, but think about the mindset of these disciples or these followers of Jesus, right? What have they just been through the last three, four days, right? I mean, imagine what they've seen, what they've witnessed. They were scared. They were hiding behind closed, locked doors right now. They're hiding from the Romans in fear of possibly being crucified themselves. Then inside this home, right? Imagine you're inside your home. It's all locked up. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a person just appears among you out of nowhere. I would say this would be more than a little unsettling. I mean, if I was there, imagine you're fearing that someone's going to come arrest you, and you're hiding in the house. You've, all the doors are shut, the windows are shut, the, and then you're sitting down, you got the place secured, and a man just appears inside your house, and he looks at you, I'm Jesus. I mean, you know, as I think about this happening, I, you know, my mind thinks kind of crazy things. I think of Peter. You know, Peter was there, right? I'm surprised we don't read about Peter jumping up and doing something stupid, right? I mean, you could just imagine. I mean, he's already done it once, right, or more than once. But anyways, I just imagine this would be pretty frightening, so I can understand this. But the strange thing is Jesus, he's already told the disciples, right? He's already mentioned that this was going to happen. Do you guys remember that? We studied it not too long ago. Turn over to John, and we're going to read that. John chapter 16, verse 20. See if you remember this. He says, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. 
but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn into wonderful joy. We'll just stop there. Jesus knew, he knew what was going to happen. He knew the disciples would have an extremely difficult time with this experience. So right away, as we see this in John, he's, he's telling them, he's giving them, he's offering them an assurance. Peace be with you. Then he takes, and he shows them the wounds on his hands and his feet, as we read in Luke. And he continues to assure them that he's not a ghost, he's real. He eats with them, right? Him eating with them, that assured them that he wasn't a ghost. And then finally, the disciples, they begin to believe. And once they begin, once they come to faith, once they believe, what is the result? They're overcome with joy in the place of their fear. Right? As soon as they believe, they're overcome with joy instead of fear. You know, as I see that, and I thought about everything going on today, and I have to ask everyone a question. If you are living in fear, or you have fear of something going on around you, whatever it may be, we see a solution in these passages today to overcome fear. What was the solution to overcome fear? It was to accept the assurance of who Jesus Christ is and believe in him. As soon as they did this, their fear was gone. It was replaced by overwhelming joy. Jesus was bigger than the disciples' fear. As they hid behind locked doors, Jesus is bigger than anything that you have fear of today. Or maybe you're hiding from something today. Jesus is bigger than this. Jesus has came here in this story He's invited the disciples to come out fellowship and believe, just as he has invited everyone else out there to come out fellowship with him to believe. Jesus has brought peace to these followers right here in this story as they feared their very lives be taken from them, right? He brought peace to them. He brings peace to all the followers of Jesus, no matter what's going on. I just, I just love this, this fact here. Again, fear is replaced by joy through belief in Jesus and accepting he is who he said he is. So just a wonderful little bit there. Turn back to John chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 21 through 23. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Just think about the passages. These passages are so packed full of different lessons and different truths. We're just going to start dissecting that, right? As you know, I've shared with this. As we go through the scriptures, it's like an apple. We're going to cut it into pieces, and we're going to take these passages bite by bite by bite. And we're going to let this just nourish us spiritually as we see these deep truths in these passages. So the first bite we're going to look at is just verse 21. Jesus again, he says, peace be with you. But then what's he do immediately once he's assured the disciples, once he's given them insurance, once he's, he's given them joy and peace? He sends the disciples out. Just, do you see that? Just as God had sent him. Think about that. Jesus, he was sent out into the world. As a lamb among wolves. He was sent out to save the world from its sin. Right? We know this. 
Now, Jesus has now commissioned these followers of Jesus. He's commissioned the disciples. He's commissioned you and I to go out to the world to share the good news. That To share that through Jesus Christ, our sins have been forgiven. This is just amazing to me as he's doing this. This is how it begins. But then look at verse 22. This is, this is awesome. Look at that closely. 22. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus, I believe, has promised, as we see in John chapter 14. Let's turn back just a few pages to John chapter 14. And look at verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. That's 15. And I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. You ready? And later will be in you. Jesus has promised the followers of Jesus, followers, a helper, the Holy Spirit. And it's clear from these passages that this is a new, a new relationship that we can have with God through the Holy Spirit. Through first Jesus' death, then his resurrection. And now we have the Holy Spirit residing within the believer. Now we know the Holy Spirit has always been present, right? The Holy Spirit has always lived among us, lived among the disciples. But this was something very special, something new. This was an indwelling. Jesus, he's fulfilled his promise that the Holy Spirit would be in you, or you could say abide in you. Again, the Holy Spirit, God, has always been among us and has always been present at all times. But now, but now, once we have become born again, God, through the Holy Spirit, now resides in us. This is just so, so, so important. I want to make sure everyone understands and I'm sorry if I'm going to repeat this a bit, but I find this just so critical that we all understand. So again, look back to John chapter 20 and look at verse 22 again. Then he breathed on says, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on them. This is so very different than the Holy Spirit being present among them and us. The Holy Spirit is living within them living within anyone that will come to faith in Jesus Christ. This is a spiritual rebirth. This is what takes place after your sins have been forgiven and you become righteous before God. He will then indwell within you. He will abide within you. We become a vessel, right? A temple within where God resides. Try to get your mind around that. We are born of the Holy Spirit, becoming a new creation in Jesus Christ. You know, as I try to explain this, we've been studying a book, Watchman Nee, A Normal Christian Life. And I'd like to give you a quote from him when he's talking about this very thing. He says, when we see that we are the temple of God, we shall immediately acknowledge that we are not our own. Consecration will follow revelation. The difference between victorious Christian and defeated ones is not that some have the spirit while others have not, but that some know his indwelling and others do not, and that consequently some recognize the divine ownership of their lives while others are still their own masters. 
We need to wake up each and every day and thank Jesus for this and surrender to the Holy Spirit who is living in us. I, I just, I pray that everyone out there listening today has Jesus living within them and dwelling within them and is living in that peace that's talked about here of knowing Jesus has given them that same power to defeat sin, the same power that's raised Jesus from the grave, the same power that defeated sin and death. You know, if I, I've been talking here so much about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, how Jesus will come, you know, come make his home within us. So as I share about that, I just, I, I thought I, I must also share a little bit about the outpouring, right? We talked about his presence. We talked about the indwelling. But I think I really can't just leave it there, even though it's not really talked about in the text today. It goes into Acts. But I think I need to talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Or this is when the Holy Spirit comes upon one. Um, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts just for a few minutes because I just want to go through this just a little bit because I don't think I should leave it alone. As you can see in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 4, it talks about this gift, right? What's the gift? He says, he sends a gift I was promised. What he's talking about here, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's mentioned in Acts 1.8. You see it? Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, including Myanmar. Right? I believe we see in the scriptures, in our Bibles, a very special presence of the Holy Spirit here, right? This is the one that enables a believer to have or to experience very, very powerful giftings. For the sole purpose of sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. So the world would have an opportunity to come to faith to know Jesus. Now we read about it. If you just turn the page or so in Acts chapter 2 verse 4. What do we see there? And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. These disciples, these followers of Jesus, they were filled with a filled in a very special way, an outpouring that allowed them to speak the good news, the gospel, to speak about Jesus to persons in their own native tongue, a different language than they knew. And through Acts 2.41, if you want to just continue, you see the result. What do you see? Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 came to know Jesus that day. The purpose of this outpouring was to share Jesus. It was to glorify God. It wasn't to glorify the disciples, to glorify man. The results were clear. People came to faith in Jesus Christ. So a quick review as we looked at the Holy Spirit through here. I just, I know I touched a lot on it, but I just find it so important. First, the first one, we are called to repent of our sins and turn to faith in Jesus through the Holy Spirit's presence among us, all around us in this entire world. But then... Once a person has came to faith, they are born again of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes then and he resides within us, abiding in us and dwelling in us. We are spiritually born again in Jesus. Then the third thing I see is the Holy Spirit can come upon a person. We read about this here in Acts. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's empowering, right? We see that. This outpouring of spiritual gifts, it was. It has a very important purpose, it's to equip a believer to fulfill God's calling in their walk according to God's will. To go out and share the gospel, to share the good news as we see in the book of Acts. And I think, unfortunately, there's so many Christians out there that feel powerless even today or full of fear. And I just pray as we, when we close later today, join me in praying that you would have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
that you'd be baptized with the Holy Spirit as we see in Acts. Because you're not powerless. We have the Holy Spirit living within us, abiding in us. So we just want to pray for that outpouring of that Spirit. Now, as I try to describe God here, to try to describe the Holy Spirit, I in no, no which way have a complete understanding of God or the Holy Spirit or exactly how for sure it works. I can't explain God because God is God. But I do know that he comes to us through the Holy Spirit. He comes in us, and then he comes upon us. We do see that. I do believe we see the Holy Spirit shown to us biblically. I see it in three ways. We have his presence, his indwelling, and then we see his outpouring. And as we see each one of these, I see that each one of them has a specific task or job or function. First is to convict the world of its sin, to bring them to Jesus. The second one is to to come in to save the person. And the third is to empower the believer to go out and share the gospel. So I hope, I pray that each of us has a better understanding of the Holy Spirit and how he would work in your life. Let's turn back to John, and I want to look at verse 23. Um, There's definitely, it could be some controversy here. You see verse 23 back in John chapter 20? If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Um, I'll be clear. It's not through the disciples. It's through Jesus once sins are forgiven. But this is an authority given to disciples, given to the disciples, given to followers of Jesus. The authority is to go out and announce, to proclaim that forgiveness of sins only comes through faith in Jesus. And there is no other way but through Jesus Christ and faith in him to have eternal life and your sins forgiven. And that's what I believe this verse means. And it can be severely, severely taken out of context. So let's continue. John chapter 20. We're going to talk about Thomas here in verses 24 through 25. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now, I'm not sure where Thomas was that Sunday afternoon, but I'm sure he got an earful from all the other disciples, all the women. Everyone was telling him all that they experienced, telling him Jesus is alive. And it's clear, Thomas, he didn't believe. I think we're so hard on Thomas, right? What do we call Thomas? Doubting Thomas? I mean, you can kind of see why, right? I mean, kind of fair enough. But I wonder if any of us were in this same situation, would we act as Thomas? Would we believe? As I read about this, and I was reading some different commentaries, uh, one of the commentaries I read is from Guzik. And he mentioned maybe we shouldn't call Thomas doubting Thomas, but maybe we should call him honest Thomas instead. He said it's got a good ring. What do you think? Honest Thomas. It's true he was doubting, but he was very honest. You know, as I thought about this and I listened to that message about that, I I agree with Guzik, and I I hope also as a pastor that ever, ever, such as Thomas here, if anyone has any doubts or their faith is wavering, that they would be honest, like Thomas, and they would share their struggles. That way we could talk about it, and that way the person wouldn't continue to live in fear and continue to live in that lack of faith, and they they wouldn't be dishonest about where their faith lied. So as I think about that, I appreciate that Thomas was honest with his lack of faith. And I hope that if anyone out there is struggling, ask the hard questions. Be honest about your doubts. Share them with your pastor, with your fellow brothers and sisters. You know, if if you share with me that you're struggling, say as Thomas was. He says, I won't believe unless I see him. 
Maybe you could say that. I'm not here. I'm not going to judge you. I want to walk alongside you. I, you know, many of us face times just as Thomas, even as pastors, saying things like, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. I put my fingers into him and place my hand into the wound in his side. You know, as I share this story, only it was just a, a few months ago, I had a person come to us, and they said they no longer believed in Jesus. Maybe, maybe they didn't believe in heaven and hell, or maybe Satan wasn't even that bad. But that person was honest enough, they were forthright enough, they were brave enough to come to us and share these very serious doubts they were having And we were able to come alongside that person and walk alongside them. And we sought the Holy Spirit and we sought God's word and we walked with them. And, you know, now today I I can so graciously say this person's faith is restored and stronger than ever. But it started with they were honest. They brought it. I'm doubting. But what would have happened to this person if they they were never honest about the doubt they had? That they kept walking down that path that they were on of doubt, of lack of faith. I think there would have been a very different outcome, I'm sure. So let's learn from Thomas here. Let's learn that to be honest, that when our faith is wavered, to bring it to our brothers and sisters. And we, when someone brings that to us and say, I don't believe in Jesus anymore, let's walk alongside them. Let's not be judging them. Let's, let's, you know, let's take them to the word. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to, for a new revealing of that. So let's see what happens to Thomas here. Let's look at verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Jesus has reappeared the very next Sunday, again, while the doors were locked, just as he did before. But this time, Thomas is there, and all the disciples are present. And again, when Jesus comes, what's he say? What what does Jesus' very presence say? Peace be with you. You know, I see a uh, repeating or a constant result of Jesus' presence here, of the resurrected Jesus. He brings peace, and he brings reassurance that he is alive. I don't believe here, and it surely doesn't say this in the scriptures, that there was screaming or random people speaking out. But instead, what I believe there was here is a calmness, a confirmation of faith, a a joy that was followed by repentance, a repentance of their lack of faith is what I see. So let's see what Jesus has to say to Thomas now in verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in in the wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Wow, Jesus is very, very forward here. He repeats Thomas's exact words back to him. And he commands, basically, I believe he commands Thomas, believe. Here it is. You asked for it. Here's the proof. Now believe. You know, think back. Thomas, what kind of man was Thomas? What type of man was Thomas? What type of follower of Jesus was he that Jesus would now need to command him to believe? Think about that. What kind of person would you? Remember John 11, our coffee cup verse? Remembers that. I call it a coffee cup verse because you're never going to see this verse on a coffee cup. But John chapter 11, verse 16. Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. Right? Thomas has gone from extreme faith, zealot-like faith, to no faith, right? That he wants, it's just amazing the transformation here we're seeing. Thomas has a choice now, right? To believe, to come to faith or not. The proof has been presented to him as has been presented to everyone out there. Thomas told Jesus, if you will show me proof, then I will believe. You know, regrettably, I'll tell you, I've said the same thing early in my life. I told Jesus, 
if you show me proof, or if you do this for me, or if you get me out of this, I will believe. Now, I don't suggest this by any means. I don't think Thomas was right in this, and I think that's kind of why you guys rebuked here. But I don't think we should be trying to make trades with God. If you do this for me, then I'll do this for you, right? After all, hasn't he given enough? His very son, Jesus Christ, he's given enough. He's given all the proof we need. It's amazing as I see this. This story again shows me how much grace and mercy Jesus has for each one of us. As I read these words from Jesus, don't be faithless any longer, believe. So let's see his response. Let's see Thomas's response in 28 through 29. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told them, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. You know, Thomas nailed this. This is it right here. My Lord, my God. This is how each of us need to address Jesus in our life. This is how each of us, I I need to wake up each and every morning. My Lord, my God. I mean, the question is, is do we, as we say that, do we understand who God is and who Jesus is and what he did for you? But then, is he your Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? Is he your king? Do you present yourself to your king daily? How can I serve you, my king? Think about that. Is Jesus your Lord? Turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. Just think about that. Turn back to John. We're going to close up this chapter, and we're going to read the last few verses here. John chapter 20, verse 30. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Just as John writes here in closing even though he's got another chapter. Uh, Everything we do should be so others can come to believe and continue in their faith so others may have life through the power of Jesus Christ. You know, as I spoke so far on the Holy Spirit, I would like just to take maybe 10 minutes and share a bit of my testimony because the Holy Spirit has such a there's such a story to me personally about the Holy Spirit in my life. And I want to share with you because I think a lot of people have experienced what I experienced. As we talked about how I view the Holy Spirit, I see three different ways, right? His presence in the world. So I want to talk about his presence first in my own testimony. I was out in the world, right? I was out doing all the things of the world, seeking all the worldly desires. You know, I from a deep younger age, I had... I knew there was something missing in my life. I wanted more. I always had something that, you know, emptiness in me. And so I was always searching through, you know, if I have a better job or if I get more money or if I have a better house. And I I searched out everything and everything. And, you know, as I searched out and I, I acquired things and I went through my life trying to fill that hole and try to find happiness, to find joy, I never could find it. But during years and years and years of this, the Holy Spirit's presence was in my life. And he was he was calling me, right? I knew he was there. I believed in him, right? I believed in him. He was he would speak to me. He would call me away from my sins. He would call me that I need to turn my life to Jesus. But I wouldn't surrender. I wouldn't give up my rights. 
to control my life. I still wanted to be my own God, right? So years and years went on of this. The Holy Spirit kept calling me. He'd put people in my life, you know, to speak to me. He would bring me to church. But still, I wouldn't surrender. I wouldn't truly give my life to Jesus, even though I believed, right? I believed. I believed that I was a sinner. I had no problem believing that. And everyone else believed that. I believed that Jesus died on the cross. I believed that he paid the price for my sins. And I, I believed he was resurrected. But I wouldn't surrender to him. I wouldn't make him the Lord of my life. And finally, after I had come to a point of brokenness in my life where I had realized that I had tried everything I knew to find happiness, to find joy, to find peace. I'd come to a point where I had given up. I had just given up. I just, I didn't know what else to do. The Holy Spirit was there again calling me. And, you know, out of pure desperation, that day, I remember it very adamantly. I just, I cried out to God and I said, I can't do this. I give up. I don't know what else I can do. I don't have any more answers. I don't have any more solutions. I surrender my life to you. I give it all to you. All my possessions, my dreams, my desires, everything that I am, my family. Here I am, Lord. I surrendered. And I believe at that point, the Holy Spirit then indwelled within me because I was freed up. I allowed him to be Lord of my life. He indwelled within me. So that gets into the second part of the Holy Spirit I was talking about. And he started to the process, which we call sanctification. He started to clean up my life. I was a mess. I mean, an absolute mess. I knew I was a mess. I knew that I wasn't the person that I thought I should be, even though I didn't even have a proper definition of what I should be. But he started, he put people in my life like, Pastor Travis, he he got me to start reading my Bible. He put a, some, a burning desire to know him more. So I started seeking him out, and I seeking him out. But, you know, years went on. I was saved. I was born again. The Spirit of God was indwelling in me. But I'll tell you, I still struggled. And then one evening, I was at work late at night, and God spoke to me, not in an audible voice, but in a way that it only had to be God. And it was through his word. And he, he called me to ministry. He called me to be a pastor. And I'll tell you what, I was nowhere near living a life that would be a pastor. I didn't tell anyone about this. But we see here in the scriptures today that God breathed the Holy Spirit on these disciples. He indwelled within them. And then he called them to go out and share the good news. This is what happened to me. He put this calling, this anointing on my life, right? He commissioned me to go out and share who he was to others, so others could know the hope of Jesus Christ. So this calling, this burden was placed upon my heart. I didn't even know how to share the gospel with someone. I didn't even know what the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament was hardly. I didn't know. And I went years, years having this burden to go out, to go out and share what I felt in my heart, the peace I knew, the joy I knew, but I I couldn't do it. I didn't even know how to do it. And years went on. And this is what comes to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I was powerless. I had the power within me, but I still had something. I still had something that was just blocked. I don't know. But I want to explain what my experience and I believe it's biblical about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to, to empower one for a very special work to go out and share the gospel. Right before I was going to come here, um, everything that could go wrong was going wrong. I, I, I mean, it was a crazy decision, right? To give up everything I had in the States, to lay it all aside, to pack up everything my family and head out. out. And everything that was going wrong kind of went wrong. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the resources. Um, everything was going wrong. And I, I just, I told the Lord one morning, I give up. I Just like these men do, I turned from my faith. I said, Lord, I'm not going to do this. I can't do this. And I was
was, you know, a Sunday morning, and I was talking to God that morning. I was just like, I'm going back to my old ways. Like, we'll read later, you know, they went fishing. The disciples went fishing. I was going to go back to my old job. Forget this. I can't do this. You know, I was right when I said that. I couldn't do it. I didn't have that outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the moment. And I just cried to the Lord, and I just said, I was honest. I'm not going to do this, God. I can't do it. This is crazy. I was so upset. I was supposed to go to church with my family that morning. I, I don't even want to go to church. In fact, let's go to a different church. I don't even want to see any of them people that go to that church because I told them all I was going to go do this. And now I'm not going to do it. Let's go to a different church. And uh, so I told Vicky this. I'm sure she was kind of confused, I say, just a bit. So we drove to this other church. I'd never been to that church. I knew someone that attended that church once. Didn't know anything about the church. Walked in there. We were way early. Didn't realize it, like an hour early. And uh, the guy comes up to me, an old biker guy, and he says, welcome. He's very nice. We start talking to him and he uh, he looks at me. He says, well, today uh, the pastor's not preaching today. I'm actually the missions pastor. I'll be sharing today about missions. And, you know, I was kind of like, wow. And he said, which I still found weird at the time. He says, you know, God spoke to me last night and said that you were going to come. And, you know, we sat down. The man preached a message on missions. I don't know what he said. All I know is I experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at that time. The Holy Spirit came upon me in a way that is, I have no words to describe, none. All I know is that it was an overwhelming sense of God's assurance that he would take care of me and take care of my family, and that I need to believe just like this. Don't be faithful any longer. Believe. And, you know, as I see Thomas's response, that was my response. My Lord, my God. The Holy Spirit was on me in such a way, all I could do is repent of my unbelief and just beg, beg him. I'm so sorry, Lord. I doubted you. I've never looked back since on my calling. He's provided for me in every way since. He's provided for us in teaching, in all the methods that we've had here. I've went through so many different challenges and so many different struggles. But my Lord, my God, don't be faithful any longer. Believe. That was my experience of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And again, the result was I went out and I shared the gospel. I shared the good news, and I'm sharing it today with you. And I hope some people will come to realize what Jesus has done for them. He equipped me to go out and do what he called me to do many, many years beforehand. I had to come to a point of surrender, a point of brokenness that he could use me. I had to empty that vessel out of my own ambitions, my own will, my own everything. So I share this outpouring because I believe that's when the Spirit was outpoured upon me. There's different views on this, how this works exactly. I don't know what to tell you. I can just share my experience, and I know it's biblical, what happened to me. Um, I think different people have different experiences, but we all have. Ex- we should all have an experience to share how the Holy Spirit has came upon you in a way that has equipped you to do the work that God has called you to do. And you should be able to recall that experience. I do believe that. Obviously, the disciples, they could recall Pentecost. Right? They knew. The Spirit came upon them, and they were then equipped to do the work that God had set forth in front of them. And every time when they faced all of the persecution they faced, all the trials they faced, the beatings they faced, they could look back and know that God was with them. He was the one doing the work. We're just servants. So as I shared that, I just I pray that you would listen to Thomas here. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Cry out, my Lord, my God. Again, I want to quote Watchman Nee as we close. He just has some great, great quotes talking about this. There's two quotes I want to share from you. Here's the first one. The outpouring of the Spirit has no relation to your merits or mine, but only to the merits of the Lord Jesus. The question of what we are does not come into consideration at all here. 
but only what he is. He is glorified. Therefore, the Spirit is poured out. The second quote from Watchman Nee. The Holy Spirit has not been poured out on you or me to prove how great we are, but to prove the greatness of the Son of God. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we read this story, how you indwell in the disciples, and then as I talked about your outpouring of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I just pray that I shared this experience in the best way that I can. I don't know how to explain some of these things. Lord, I don't understand exactly how some of this works. But Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach through this. Lord, they would use this. That people would know that they can have God living within them. They can have their sins forgiven. They can have that same power that defeated sin, that defeated death, living within them, abiding within them. And they can have this outpouring of your Spirit to go out, Lord, and proclaim the good news. If someone out there are full of fear, Lord, if they will call on you, they will have joy. If they're living a life of defeat, as they feel called to ministry or called to go out and share, but they, they don't know how to do it or what this looks like or how they can do that, Lord, they would call for that baptism of the Holy Spirit. That you would pour out your Spirit upon them, Lord, and they would just be your humble servant. Use them in mighty ways, Lord. Go out through this country, Lord, and just share, Lord. Share the hope that we can have in you. That we don't have to fear anything going on in this world. There's nothing in this world we need to fear. Nothing. In fact, not only should we not have to fear, but we can have joy. Joy in our Lord and our Savior, our God, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for each one of us, Lord. So, Lord, just use this message, Lord. Speak to the people's hearts, Lord. That they would call on you, and this nation would call on you, my Lord, my God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. I just pray, again, pray for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on this nation and on this world. That Lord, this Spirit would just go out and just convict the world of its sin, and bring them to repentance, bring them before the cross, and their lives would be changed forever as they would know the love of Jesus Christ. I love you all. Please enjoy the worship and continue just to fellowship with us. Again, if you have any prayer requests, please, please message us. I would love to pray with you. I'll see you next week. God bless.